Colossians chapter 3, our passage for today will be verses 22 through the end of the chapter and uh, going into chapter 4, verse 1. And the, uh, the title for our message is Christ in Everything. Last week, I entitled it Christ in the Home. We talked about the home structure, husbands, wives, uh, all of that. This week, we're talking about, um, it's kind of a, could be a difficult topic, slaves and masters is kind of where we are today. Uh, but ultimately, what we see in Colossians 3, where we've been the last couple of weeks, is the, it's the application of putting on as God's chosen ones Christ-like attitudes and actions in these different areas or different roles uh, within the home. So last week we talked about Christ-like submission of the wife to her husband, uh, the Christ-like love and leadership of the husband to the wife. We talked about the Christ-like obedience of children to their parents and then the Christ-like discipleship of the parents to their children. Now, as I was doing my study, and initially, right, you kind of read over a passage and, well, if, as you preach or teach, you kind of read over and you kind of have some general ideas of a direction you want to go. Uh, doesn't always stick that way as you study out the scripture and God uh, ministers to your heart. And so <clears throat> with that in, in mind, my, my thoughts originally were like, okay, slave master, right, how we relate this to today is employers and employees. And although that is how we relate it to today, it seems more pertinent that we focus more on this slave-master relationship uh, and the specifics there, and then use that to apply to what we see uh, today. And so that's what we're gonna do because the Colossians dealt with this in the first century. And so we need to first understand what was going on there. And then we take those truths and apply them to us today. Um, so with, with that in mind, kind of the idea of what we're gonna, the big idea of what we're gonna talk about today is is uh, pretty much this. Whether you're in the home, in your home, excuse me, or you're bound by someone in their home, Christ and everything should be priority number one. So whether you're in your own home or you're possessed by someone else and then you're in their home, Christ and everything should be the priority uh, for you as, as a Christian. So for us to do that, we've got three points that we're gonna look at today. And we're going to continue these points similarly like we did last week uh, by showing how these positions exemplify Christ. And so our first point, we're gonna, what we're going to look at is how to show Christ in the role of this bond servant or slave. Uh, the next point we're going to look at is how, how the slave or bond servant has peace in that role that God has placed them in. And then how to show Christ-like um, attitude and behavior in that role of the master, how this was done. Uh, then we will kind of conclude our time with a, a challenge for us today. Like, what does all this mean for us today? So uh, we've got a, a lot of ground to cover with these verses, and uh, I don't want to lay, you know, kind of draw this out any further. So we're going to go ahead and read our passage, and then we're going to pray, and we're going to get right into it. So Colossians chapter 3, verses 22 through Chapter 4, verse 1. This is the word of God. It says, Bondservants, obey in everything those who are earthly masters, your earthly masters, excuse me, not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. For the wrongdoer will be paid back for the wrong he has done, and there is no partiality. 
Masters, treat your bondservants justly and fairly, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. That is the word of the Lord. May the Lord bless the reading and hearing of his word. Let us uh, ask God to bless our time today. Dear Holy Father, we come to you and how great you are, uh, as the song we sung said. We can look into creation and just see your, your majesty at work, the order that you created. Um, just the fact that the sun rises and the sun sets, um, we see order with, throughout creation. <clears throat> we see your hand at work. And not only is your hand at work in these large things, but your hand is at work in our very lives. Uh, for a sparrow cannot drop or a hair from our head drop without uh, you overseeing it. And so we know that all things are in control of you, for all things are held together by the word of your power. All things came into existence by your word. And so we trust you in everything uh, because of that. Uh, it is your word that brings uh, strength and comfort and conviction to our hearts. It's what um, we stand upon, uh, not only when times get hard, but whenever we are in the midst of victories as well, knowing that it is you who has blessed us with all of these things, uh, not only for our good, but more importantly, for your glory. And so in this time, Lord, I just pray and ask that your word ring true in the hearts of your people and that we all leave here uh, knowing a little bit more about you and what we are called to and how precious and wonderful this gift of grace and salvation that we have is. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. All right. So let's first look at verse 22. And we are going to see how we are to show Christ through that role of the bondservant or slave. It says, bondservants, obey in everything those who are your earthly masters, not by way of eye service, as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Now, this word bondservant or slave, it's a Greek word, doulos. It's translated, depending on which translation you use, there's usually three different words that are used. And in my study time, uh, translators are kind of split on that. I, I looked up, there's a website you can look at different translations, and I used that one and counted 33 different translations, 19 used slave, including the NIV, NLT, the LSB, and then 13 used either servant or bond servant, the ESV, which we read from, the KJV, the New King James, Amplified, right? So a lot of these major transla translations that we're used to reading have different renderings of this word. Now, I think, I guess as I, as I read that and as I looked up things, it kind of seems like the big issue that people have is the modern understanding of slavery, the, the American chattel slavery. And so people don't like using that term for that reason. But slavery has been around since Old Testament times. And, um, and so we, we know there's different types of slaveries that, that have been throughout history. And so it it's kind of seems like during the Roman culture during this time, it was more along the lines of like indentured servitude where people either sold themselves into slavery or people were captured from uh, surrounding uh, people groups and they were brought in and sold. And so there was more of not so much this heinous view that we see in American history as much as they, they just serve different parts of society. Like I said, in my study, what I found out is roughly one in six people during the first century were in the Roman Empire were, uh, were slaves in some form or fashion. As people groups were captured and that empire grew, these people would be brought in no matter what their line of work was and they were sold 
and they filled these roles within uh, the Roman world. And so some were skilled workers, right? You had barbers and teachers and uh, chefs and bankers, uh, personal uh, assistants and physicians. All these different roles where people were filling these were, were slaves. Uh, and eventually over time within Roman law, they could buy their, their freedom back. So <clears throat> the, the term slave that, that would have been used back then, this doulos, and what we see in, in our recent past, not quite the same thing, but the, the term slave is what's kind of used generically across the board. So bond servant, slave, um, these terms carry similar meanings, um, but I, I don't want to get bogged down on that term too much, but I just felt like it was kind of pertinent for the conversation to discuss what slavery looked like for them. We see slavery throughout the scriptures, and so that's kind of what that term bond servant or slave meant. And just for the sake of time, I'm pretty much going to use slave because it's easier to say uh, a few less syllables, okay? So that's a bond servant, right, or a slave. So what are they commanded to do? What do we see here in, in uh, verse uh, 22, um, yeah, verse 22, that they're called to do? Well, it says they are to obey in everything those who are their earthly masters, not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Now, as we were looking at these verses last week about the wives, husbands, children, parents, uh, there's a similar thought process within this slave and master relationship and how these verses should be viewed. Uh, I tend to take this first view where these were Christian slaves, right? Christians who were enslaved to someone that are hearing these words. They would come to the church, their church services with their uh, earthly masters. Uh, some people believe that this is just speaking to slaves in general. Now, the call to live a holy and godly life is to all men, but if we're seeing this letter is written to a church, more than likely, right, this is written to believing slaves. This is what they were called to do. So um, the, the reason I say that is because what we can come to, a conclusion that we can kind of come to is if these slaves were people who were being converted, right, like Onesimus in the book of Philemon. He was a slave who ran away, went with Paul, Paul, Paul preached in the gospel, he was saved, and then this letter was written to Onesimus, or excuse me, to Philemon about Onesimus, his slave. Um, there was all kind of slaves in, in, this, in this culture. Uh, but one thing that, that came to mind as I was doing the study, a lot of times when you think about, you know, say you're an unconverted person, you're living this life of bondage, you get saved, God opens your eyes, and you see you've been freed from this bondage of sin you find yourselves in, well, now you're still bound by, by man, um, there could be a natural thought that, well, if I'm freed in Christ, I should be freed from the, the, the bounds of uh, earthly slavery as well. Now, something that kind of came to mind when I was thinking through that is the fact that the book of Galatians was written eight to ten years before the book of Colossians. And so if this letter had circulated through the Christian world and made its way to Colossae, they would, have read, they would have read that letter. And in that letter, Paul says this, there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is no male or female, for we are all one in Christ Jesus. All right, so that thought could naturally, to the immature mind, think, hey, well, if there's no longer slave or free, I should be free too, right? I should be free from these chains, I don't belong in these chains, I'm a free man in Christ, uh, so you need to set me free, right? Those thoughts could kind of go through our heads. But what we read in our passage here contradicts that. Paul is telling us under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, no, you're, you're not a free man in the earthly sense. Stay where you are and obey in everything. 
Now, that, that may kind of not sound good to us when we think about slavery and things like that. Uh, does this make Paul pro-slavery or pro-oppression or anti-liberty? Does it, does it make him any of that? Well, I don't think so. I think what we see here, what this boils down to is what ultimately glorifies Christ wherever we find ourselves. Because we're all going to have different earthly conditions or statuses, and we need to focus on what brings Christ's glory no matter where we are. <clears throat> now, what would bring Christ's glory in, in, what, in this role of the slave, right? Is it going to be revolting against their master, seeking their, their uh, freedom in, a, in an ungodly fashion, or is it obeying in everything, right? Which, what way could they bring Christ's glory? Well, like I said, based on what Paul's telling us, it's finding that position that they're in and obeying in everything. This is how they would bring Christ's glory. Now, over the course of this study, one of the, the people I was listening to as they were talking about Christian history and slavery and how there were, there were lots of Christians that were enslaved during the Roman world, over time, right, as, as the uh, Roman Empire grew and more and more Christians were being converted, first, second, third century, uh, Christian slaves began to be highly sought after slaves because of their loyalty and their work ethic, right? They, they took these teachings of Paul to heart and began to really uh, find their meaning in what God had called them to within these roles. And I think one thing that we see in our verse today that kind of sets that apart and, and shows us that is that if, if any of us bear the name of Christ, as, as Paul is telling them, they're, they're not to be doing this work that they're doing by way of eye service as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart and fearing the Lord. Now, as I think about slaves in this role that they can't change, and they're called to work, called to labor, no matter what their masters are telling them to do, as long as it isn't sinful, and, and they're fulfilling this role well, they have great work ethic, they're being loyal to the things they're called to because they're working as to the Lord. I think about us today, right, when we find ourselves in the workforce Today, and as I look out right into our congregation, there's some people who are business owners, there's workers, there's homemakers, there's students, there's uh, retired uh, retirees, right? We have people in all these different walks of life. Um, but as I, as I say that, or as I look at that, right, we all find ourselves in different roles, but that charge is still the same, right? We are to work heartily unto the Lord. We are to have a, a strong work, work ethic. We're to be honest in our work and all these things. And so I think about that, and, and I want to ask us today, where, where, is, where is our work ethic? Where, is our, where do we find joy and hope in our daily tasks, right? Like me as a, a worker, I work for the city, and I obviously help pastor here at the church. Um, is, is my goal to only people please or only serve as, or I, you know, do these things as I service, or am I with sincerity of heart fearing the Lord, doing all that I'm called to do um, out of, to, to bring God glory. <clears throat> I do believe that's an important question for us to ask because if someone in, in bondage is called to do these things, right, how much more are we as free men uh, able to do that? Right? I, I think it's easy for us to look at these people. They're, they're, they're well, maybe not easy to look at them, but they, are, they have no choice but to obey. They have nowhere to go. They have to listen to what their masters are telling them. And even Paul is telling them, hey, you need to do these things, not just out of eye service. Just don't go through the motions, but serve them as you're serving the Lord. 
if that is the charge that's given to them as slaves, right, we as free men, how much more should we be offering our service and, and doing our jobs to the glory of God? But like I said, we as Christians, we're not necessarily slaves to any man, uh, but as Paul tells us, we're slaves to Christ. And our performance, the things that we do are in direct reflection uh, of that understanding that we have with Christ as our master, right? Do we desire to bring God glory in all that we do, or are we just doing these things as eye service? Or are we doing them as people pleasers? So kind of going back to what we talked about last week, wives, they exemplify Christ in their role by their submission to their husbands. Husbands exemplify Christ by their love for their wives, children by their obedience to their parents. And then slaves here exemplify their, uh, they, excuse me, they exemplify Christ by their obedience with sincerity and heart uh, to their, uh, and be, by obeying and everything to their earthly masters. So that thought, as, before we move on to our next point, that kind of made me think of people that have fairly difficult jobs, right? There's people out here today that probably feel like they are uh, slaves at their jobs or slaves in their home. You know, I, I feel for, for stay-at-home moms. I've, I've said this before, but uh, at times, it, you know, you don't get paid for it. There's hardly any recognition, and th there's no days off, right? So it's, you almost feel like a slave uh, when you're in that position. I don't know what that's like, uh, so, but I do feel for my wife and women that, that do that. Uh, but the, the, what I would tell you is if you feel like a slave, uh, we've got a command here that tells us how slaves are to act, right? <laughs> I mean, it's, it's true, right? I mean, you're obviously not slaves, but I think that's, that's the, the goal, right? That's what our insight should be is like, okay, even a slave is commanded to obey in everything and to bring glory to God in that role that they have. So if you're in the home, if you're at your job, if you're working here at church, Whatever it is, right, we are to bring glory to God. Now, let's look at our next point in verses 23 through 25. This is where we kind of get the security, the peace of that role, right? As these um, slaves are hearing this, like, yeah, you, you need to obey them in everything. Okay, well, why? Why do we need to do that? Well, we get to, we get to see the, the why and the... the um, What's the word I'm looking for? The, the encouragement to do so, right? The promise that's given uh, to help uh, give them the motivation they need to fulfill this role. So it says this, whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. For the wrongdoer will be paid back for the wrong he has done, and there is no partiality. Now, there is a lot of carryover from where we've already been so far in the, the slave exemplifying Christ by his obedience, not doing it as eye service. Uh, but this is going to give us, or if that is going to happen, right, for the slave, for in application for us today, it's going to take some serious encouragement to, to desire to do that, not only for one, but then to have the strength to do it on a daily basis. Right, I, I think that's the, the, the difficult thing the struggle about the Christian life is not only just knowing what you're called to do but then the follow-through right like it, it's really easy to talk a big game uh, to cry all the tears because you're broken about your sin uh, to confess the sin oh man I don't do this right or I don't do that or whatever 
Uh, but then after that, that happens, now comes when the rubber meets the road, right? And that's when you have to follow through with the things you've said. That's the difficult part. I think for all of us, that, that's, what's, that's what's hard. And as I thought about that, like, think about, for, for you, say you're not quite relating to that yet, but think about you in, in the, the most heartbreaking or stressful season you've had in your life. Maybe it's, it's in years past, maybe it's recent history, maybe you're going through it right now, but that's what's going on in your life, right? You've got this super stressful time, and then someone comes up to you like, hey, you know what, brother, sister, you just got to trust God, right? You got to pray and you got to trust God. Now, you may say, okay, that's, that's absolutely true, right? It's 100% true to, to hear someone say that, and that's what you should do. But when you're in the midst of these storms that life brings and you don't see the end in sight, that's difficult, right? It's difficult to trust wholeheartedly, to not have doubt in, in what God is bringing you through in that season. And the way I try to, re- the, the picture that I get with that to try to relate this to us, an illustration, which all illustrations fall short, so just bear with me. Uh, it's kind of like if someone was on a deserted island, right? And then I, I pull up on this boat and I see you there and I'm like, hey, like, I see, I see you're, you're out here, you're sunken in, you're starving, you're all that, and I throw you a life preserver. And I'm like, hey, this is going to help you get to safety. And then I leave. What I told you is true, right? It's absolutely true. You can hang on to that and float out and, and you'll stay afloat. It's true, but I'm still missing some pieces that are going to help me get to safety, right? And so I, I think about that when we think about someone who gives good advice, but it's just partially what we need, right? We do need to trust God. We absolutely need to do that. But oftentimes, if that's the extent of the advice, the counsel, the, the, the encouragement we give someone, it almost heaps more stress and condemnation on them because in that moment, they're like, well, I, I, I don't quite trust God. So is there a problem with me, right? And am, am I the only one going through these problems? Am I the only one that's not able to trust God in the midst of my storms? If if that's all I'm giving, right? And so I, I say that because of these the slaves, right? They're being told to obey in everything. Well, if this is all that Paul told them, it's true. It's absolutely true, and they need to do it, but it's, okay, but I, I don't know how to get there, and you don't know the boss that I serve, the master that I have, right? All these thoughts can go through their head. But in Christ-like fashion, right, that's not all that was said. That's not all that Paul told the slaves to do, right? He didn't just tell them to trust God, right? He told them, to obey in everything, and then he continued that thought. He doesn't leave us where we are to fend for ourselves, but his complete revelation reveals everything we need to fight, right, the, the battles that we have, the spiritual battles against sin, Satan, and the flesh, right? He gives us that, and that's what these next few verses do for us. So let me reread that. It says, this is for the slave. Whatever you do, since you're, since you're called to obey in everything, whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord, not for men, knowing that Knowing that the word, excuse me, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord, for the wrongdoer will be paid back for the wrong he has done, and there is no partiality. Right? That's that's what the slave needed to hear. Right? They they're being told to obey and everything, and that's that's absolutely true. This is what God has said, but it's kind of hard if if that's where you're left. Right? If you're not given that promise within that command that you've been given. And so what are they hearing, right? Essentially what they're hearing is Paul is telling them, if you're a Christian, if you're blood-bought, right, if you called upon the name of the Lord for the salvation of your soul, but you're also a slave, 
as we read earlier, or as was written in uh, verse 12, put on then as God's chosen ones, right? Yes, you're a slave, but as we read in verse 12, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, right? As you do these things, as you do that, your focus is not on what your earthly master thinks or what advantages it gives you in their eyes because your inheritance is not one made with hands or earthen vessels. It is that that can be here today and gone tomorrow, but your reward is spiritual in nature. In nature, It is eternal, it is imperishable, it is perfect, and it's from the Lord. Praise God is right. That, that's where our focus needs to be on. That's how a slave in this condition could find contentment. Right? As you do all that you're called to do wholeheartedly, right, with all of your being, you are serving the Lord. You are glorifying the Lord. And if you are mistreated, don't worry, don't fret, don't be discouraged. For vengeance is mine, says the Lord, and I will pay back the evil evildoer for all that he has done to wrong you. All right, so even if your master isn't who he needs to be, even if he isn't fulfilling the role that God has given him, God is the one that is keeping track of all those wrongdoings. And no sin ever goes unpunished. Why? Because God is no respecter of man. He shows no partiality. And no one gains favor from the, from the Lord outside of the perfect righteousness of Christ. So if they sinned against you and your holy conduct in that role that you have, they've sinned against God. And if they sinned against God, they will either pay for it eternally in hell or it was paid for once and for all on the cross with Christ. So once again, this is referring first and foremost to, the, to slaves, right? This is who Paul is talking to in this moment, which none of us today are, and none of us have it as bad as slaves do, right? None of us are owned by anyone and have to obey in everything to this person who owns us. And if, the, and if these people, these slaves are being told who are possessions, essentially, if they are being told that in this role of servitude, you are serving the Lord Christ, what excuse do any of us today have to not serve in our homes, in our jobs, or here at church? What, what, what valid excuses can you come up with that would alleviate that, that would remove that, that would grant you an exemption from serving in any of these areas? laziness has no place in the kingdom of God, right? God has called us to work. That's what he's called us to. Work was not part of the fall. Work was there before the fall. Genesis 2, it talks about us working and keeping the garden. That's what Adam was called to. So work was not a part of the fall. It's strenuous and working by the sweat of your brow. That was part of the curse. But we are to work. We are to serve, right? What did Jesus say? I came not to be served, but to serve and become a ransom for many. So with that in mind, right, as we think about the slave, we think about what Christ said, what excuse do you have not to serve? Now you may say, well, I don't, I'm not, I'm not working right now. That, that may be the case, right? But we all have a home, uh, we have a church family, and we have a calling, right? All of us have some calling. God has called us to himself 
and he has created us for good works. So we all have work to do, all of us. And so how is that work building up this local congregation that's here? Right, what, what am I doing to help edify the people of this church? It may be prayer, right? There's some people that, that cannot do a whole lot outside of prayer, but prayer is probably one of the most important things you can do for any of us. But you gotta do something. You, you can't just sit back and expect people to serve you, right? All of us are to serve. Now, finally, let's look at the masters in verse 1, or the role of master and how the master exemplifies Christ. So it says this, Masters, treat your bondservants justly and fairly, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. Now, this word master here is the Greek word kurios, uh, doesn't mean curious or anything, it just kind of sounds like it, but it's the same word used for Lord, right? When we see the Lord Jesus Christ, it's that same word that's being used there. This word means master, owner, ruler, king, decision maker, the person in authority is what this word means. And a, uh, I wanted to call it a fun fact, but it's not really a fun fact, but uh, there was a phrase that sent many Christians to their death, whether it be being fed to animals, being burned, um, as the whole Roman candle thing, that's they took Christians and burned them on stakes. Uh, different penalties for death uh, were, were given to Christians because of this phrase, Christos Curios, right? That it means Christ is Lord or Christ is King. That, that term was used by Christians and they would use it in defiance to the phrase of the day, which was Kaiser Curios, which is Caesar is King, Caesar is Lord. And so many Christians lost their lives because they would not confess um, that Caesar was king, right? They kept saying, no, Christ is king. And they would go to their death because of that. But that's this word, right? That, that's the word we're talking about. It, it has many different meanings. Like, you know, like I said, it's master, lord, king, ruler, authoritarian. It means all these, <coughs> excuse me, it means all these things. Now, for the discussion today, this word lord, to bring us back on topic, uh, it w this master, when Paul's talking to masters, what he been, would have been referring to here are landowners, politicians, those who are wealthy, or just people who were heads of house who owned slaves. It was all of these people. And they were being commanded to treat those not only within their immediate family, their blood family, but their, the people who were, were within their household, their, their slaves, uh, their, those who were under their possession, they were to treat them with compassion and kindness by being just and fair with them, just as our master and Lord is, who possesses us is compassionate and kind uh, with us. And so when we, when we hear what Paul is saying here, it's to, for him to be just and fair with his slaves, the, the understanding is not so much, I guess, individually, like, hey, make sure this one is treated fairly, but it's more so collectively where it's like, okay, if you've got five slaves, right, you're, you're to treat all of them righteously, right, justly and fairly with equity. All of them are to be treated similarly, right? All your slaves, yes, individually, but more so collectively. Don't show partiality amongst them, right, because God doesn't show partiality. Be the type of man who deals with them justly and fairly, right? Don't play favorites. Don't give preferential treatment to some and not others. Be fair and just across the board. Justice and equality, these are things that, that God is about, 
right? He, he, an abomination before the Lord is imbalanced scales. And so God is a God of justice and, and, and fairness, right? So the master is called to be impartial in his dealings with his uh, slaves, just like God is impartial with us. <clears throat> now, these, as these masters overseeing other human beings, these are people made in the image of God, right? We can't get beyond that. They have been given a, a really tall order, similar to the, the husband, right, within the home. This is very similar. You have this position of authority. Therefore, God is the authority over all. You are to, um, you are to manage all that I've given you in the, fa the same fashion that I would do it, right? You are to imitate me in your dealings with your people. Be perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. Be holy as your Father in heaven is perfect, right? That's, that's the, the calling given to the master. Um, now, this would have been revolutionary in that time frame, right? Not that all masters of that day were terrible human beings, uh, but the thing is they were just treated as property, right? Just like you would animals. The people were treated that way. Um, and so you may not be just an evil person to your animals, but if you're just kind of treating them as possessions and not equal level with you, that was where the issue was. And so God is telling them, no, these are, these are people. These are people that, that are made in my image. And you being in this position of authority over them, you are required to show Christ to them in the way that you interact with them. <clears throat> and so, yeah, that's, that's what they're called to do, right? God, in his grace with us, he shows us love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness, and self-control. He shows all these things to us in his interactions with us. Therefore, these masters are to uh, imitate that behavior with their slaves. Now, right, we bring this into modern day, right, and we think about that employer-employee relationship. Most of us have worked under people at some point in our lives. I don't know if anybody that was just automatically the boss in their first job, but if you were, great for you. But for the rest of us, we all work for somebody, right? And when you think about working for someone, how much easier is it to work for someone who exhibits these qualities, right? They're, they're kind, they're patient, they're hardworking, they don't pop off at the, you know, they don't blow up on you. They, they're very understanding, they're good teachers, they speak well of you when, when behind your back, right? Who they are in person is who they are uh, away from you, right? If all these things are in place, it, it makes it that much easier and smoother for that job to operate because morale is high, everyone feels valued, and you're able to get the best out of your employees, right? Maybe not all of us have had a boss like that, but when you do, you're almost, not that you would do this, but you're almost willing to lay down your life, right? You'll work extra hours, you'll you know, stay late, come in early. A lot of these things are way more likely uh, if you have that sort of boss. And so when we think about that, right, as I think about that position from the master, all of us have people that either, you know, we have families, uh, we have people who may be accountable to you or value your opinion. Like uh, there, most of us have someone, maybe minus the kids, like we, most of us have someone who looks up to us in some form or fashion, right? Someone who may not, we, not, we may not be in authority over them, but someone who, we, someone that values our opinion, whether it's within the home structure or you're, you're the older sibling to a younger sibling or, or whatever the case may be, right? You're discipling someone within the church. In any of those instances, right, there's a similar 
relationship that's there where you have the opportunity to exemplify Christ in the way that you uh, disciple that person or offer correction to that person or offer encouragement to them, right? You have that ability to do the same thing. How much easier would that relationship operate if my goal is to exemplify Christ in all these different areas uh, in my interactions with that person? I think for all of us, the answer is yes. Like, it'd be way easier, right? If I was kinder to my children and more patient with my wife, you know what I mean? Like, more loving with, with all, of, all of you. Like, things would be a lot easier uh, because, for one, I'd be walking by the spirit and I wouldn't be gratifying the desires of the flesh uh, but then two there would be tr more trust built between us in that relationship and so for these different roles that we've discussed it's the same thing right if you're someone who is exemplifying Christ and all that you do it, it attracts people to you right it makes people want to be around you uh, want to spend time with you want to hear your opinion right all that kind of stuff um, begins to flourish within your life now, as we close, Paul concludes this command that we've kind of been talking about, right? Putting on as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassion, kindness, and all of that. <clears throat> he's, he's talked about these different roles, and we find that each of these roles exemplifies Christ in one way or another, right? Whether it's the slave or master, the husband or wife, the parent or child, we all have ways that we exemplify Christ by our Christ-like attitude and disposition in, within those relationships. So not only uh, did we learn about Christ in the home last week, uh, but this week we continue that thought with how Christ needs to be primary in, in everything, right? In everything we do. Christ needs to be the overarching theme in, in all of life, right? Just like the babies, right? I, I love babies. Anyways, let, let the baby do all that. It's, that's, that's what we need more of. We need more of that. Uh, but yeah, Christ in the home, Christ in the workplace, Christ in the car, Christ in my social media posts, Christ in worship, Christ in my service to God's people, right? The Christ needs to be primary in everything we do. Christ needs to be the, 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 between the frontlets of my eyes, right? He, he needs to be before me, behind me, in me, in all things. That, that's what Christ needs to be in my life. Uh, so, with that in mind, right, like I said, as we close, the, the challenge that I want to leave with us today is since we've all been given gifts from God, we all have something. We've been called to God's side for service and to his people and to his glory. What are you going to do with, God, with what God has given you? Or what are you doing with what God has given you? I think about that and it reminds me of the parable Jesus gave, I believe it's in Matthew 25, about the, uh, the talents, the parable of the talents, right? This is another parable where he's referring to slaves. There's the master who's going on a journey. He calls three of his servants or slaves to his side. He says, hey, here's five talents, which a talent was about a year's wage for a slave. Um, so like 100 to $150,000 he gave the first guy. Uh, 30 to 50,000 he gave to the second guy, and then like 20,000 he gave to the third, right? If we were just five talents, two talents, one talent. He gives them all this, and he takes off. He tells them to, to do something with it, put it to work. He leaves, he comes back. He goes to the guy with the five talents. Hey, what did you do? Well, I invested it, and I'm probably butchering and mixing up these stories, but he's like, yeah, I invested it, made back five more talents, okay? Here's, here's your money. He, he, and he's thankful for, and he's pleased with what his servant did. 
goes to the guy with two, same thing. He did this and that, put it to work, made double, same thing. Good job, you know, good and faithful servant. He sends him on his way. Then the servant with the one talent buried it, was scared because the, his, uh, the, the master was harsh and didn't do anything with it and just gave it back to him. He's like, man, you could have just done this and at least doubled what you gave us. You didn't do anything with it. And so he banished him, right, because he was lazy and had no, uh, put forth no effort with what God had given him uh, to, to do anything with it. He did nothing to bring his master any pleasure in the things that he had entrusted to him. So I say all that to say this, right? If when we think about that parable, and it relates a lot to our lives, it relates a lot to this, this passage today, the gifts and abilities that God has given you, right? He's, he's not only given us the ability, but the desire to obey, to love, to pray, and to serve, right? We're, we're given all these abilities to do. We couldn't do these things before. Before Christ came in, everything we did was selfish, but as God's people, now we have, by faith, we're able to do all these things. As we do that, we exemplify Christ. We, we have the ability to exemplify Christ in everything that we do. And as if we don't do that, if we are not doing that in all that we can do, we are wasting these precious and necessary gifts that God has given us by basically just hiding them away like the, like the servant did, right? God has given you this talent, right? whether it's money or, or abilities or your mind, whatever he's given you, he has given you these things to bring glory and honor to him. Are we going to just hide these things away or are we going to put them to use? Right? We're not required to get an end result with the things that God has given us. He has just called us to be faithful. That's it. I don't, I don't have to be fruitful in my works. I just have to be faithful. And whatever God does with it, he's going to do. But he's given each of us a measure of faith that we are called to walk in light of and then trust God with, with that. So with that in mind, if you find yourself today convicted and you're like, you know what, I've been disobedient to this, right, with what God has called me to in my life, don't waste another moment, right? Don't waste another moment today because if God is speaking to you now, you need to respond. You need to respond in repentance and belief in that precious gospel that God has given us that is found in Jesus Christ and in him alone. First John 1 John 1.9 tells us this, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Let's pray.